HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Help the people who help Oaxaca. Since 2009, Seconda has been supporting Oaxaca's underserved communities. Almost 5,000 people annually see their lives improved by this Mexican NGO. They've built and stocked six green libraries and four rain harvest hygiene stations, benefiting around 800 children and youth. And they've provided training and business coaching for over 120 female entrepreneurs. And much of that work has been done with the recycler communities that have grown around the garbage dump sites in Zachila. All of that, really, is just the tip of an ever-growing iceberg. They've also supported legislation and implemented localized trainings designed to prevent sexual violence against girls and youth, eliminate child labor, forced labor, and violations of labor rights in Mexico's sugarcane and coffee sectors, and address the causes of gender inequality. And their small staff has done all of this without ever having offices of their own. For the past 13 years, Seconda has been hosted within the premises of a local bakery, a very kind gift from a very good corporation. But Seconda now needs their own home. They've acquired a plot of land and found an architectural firm, Sands Pond Architectura, willing to donate their time to develop plans. Now we need to raise the money to make those plans a reality. The cost of these new offices is around $100,000 U.S. They've received a matching grant from 818 Tequila that will cover half of that if we can raise the other $50,000. Seconda has done so much to help so many. We're asking you now to help Seconda. Help them build offices that will enable them to continue their existing work and to expand their programs that make Mexico more just and equitable. Make your fully tax-deductible contributions for Seconda at buildoaxaca.com. That's buildoaxaca.com. And thanks. I 
I am still Lou Bank. I am still Chava Parivan. And this is once again Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps Gringax bartenders better understand Agave, Agave Spirits, Rural Mexico, and Spirits Competitions. So, <laughs> I think that... If we're doing this double album, this is coming right after the last episode mm -hmm. when, I, yeah. uh, when mm -hmm. I, instead of doing a conclusion, I mumbled and I mumbled and I mumbled. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Luke was giving me such a hard it time. It was sort of like, it's sort of like approaching the black hole. It just felt like we were continually halfway <laughs> to the end of the episode. Well, to be honest. No matter honest, how much you said, we Luke, were still halfway to the end of the episode. Look, to be absolutely honest, I've been so yeah. jittery for the last days i haven't even been sleeping that well because i'm still so excited about all the ideas all the information <laughs> all the stuff that happened upon me in these four days at the american distilling institute international spirits competition and uh so i'm like really trying to process it and and then portray it in this podcast in some capacity so if i go around in circles if i mumble if i jitter i apologize you don't have to apologize. It's funny. I, you know, it, like it's you, like you are easily excitable, but I don't know that I've ever seen you this excited. So no. tell me. No, no, tell no, no, me. No, 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 no. Like I was I, like, you know, even there I was telling people like this is like if there was an island, like it, like like if suddenly an island like well, the Atlantida will come back into existence and I didn't know about it. And I'm walking into Atlantida and there's like all these insane things that I that I had wished for them to exist. Like squid but, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People and with, with certain Squid areas. people, specifically. Huh? Squid people, specifically. Squid people? No. Yeah, just keep going. Oh, hey. hey you're hey. messing with my brain. Yes. Um, so it was like I, I had fantasized about this for so many years and have never encountered a group of people like them. So what is the it that you had fantasized about? Well, I had fantasized a for, I mean, like you know, most of the berries, most of the smartest people that I know in my life, they're the mm -hmm. nicest humans in the planet, mm -hmm. right? Like they're just <laughs> Which, so. So I'm not among those. Keep hey, going. Hey, hey, I'm not trying to give you any uh, compliment, nor uh, otherwise. Uh, so a. Like, I think, as I was saying in the last episode, some people will believe that the people that are in charge of judging taste mm -hmm. tend to be, like, I, I think the cliche, it's like seeing, like, somebody that is a snob and tries something that is unfortunate. It's like, oh, this is terrible. This shouldn't exist on the face of the earth. Who is an idiot that made this? And no, these people were, like, so fascinatingly engaged even with things that were not good, but they will have the conversation of why are we saying that this is not good? What is it doing? What is the information in this spirit that will make us say that it's flawed? So what does that conversation sound like? I mean, I don't want you to throw any any particular spirit or brand under the bus. No, 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 no but... I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Well, like, actually, I'm, I, can, I can give an example of something that happened in the... So they divided, they divided us by panels, by different, mm -hmm. different tables, and they put me, obviously, in the Agave Spirits table because mm -hmm. uh, even if there's not a lot that enter, like, I think we tried maybe 15 to 20 Agave Spirits that entered mm -hmm. the competition, maybe a few more. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't compare at all with the jeans and the whiskeys and the cognacs and the brands, sure. correct? So, uh, so we were talking about specifically uh, Tepestate, distilled in clay, that 
for my palate was extremely over-fermented and lactic. And I was making the point that, you know, like you could achieve a very similar flavor profile with an espadín. Why would you spend all that extra money putting a tepestate that is not perceivable if it's under the fermentation, you know, if it's hidden under the fermentation? But some of the other judges in the on the table were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, we understand that you from your context are comfortable saying this, but this is a beautiful spirit. It has a beautiful flavor arch, you know, that from the beginning to the end, it gives you like so much information. The finish is beautiful. It's not over the top alcoholic. It's extremely balanced. And even if you, in your little crazy world of agave spirits and, and insane people, will read this as something that it's flawed for the end consumer, for the person that it's encountering this thing on a shelf in a bar, it's it's going to be a beautiful experience. And and I, we have conversations like that on raspberry flavor vodka, mm-hmm. uh, archidies, uh, mm-hmm. like peach archidies, and all sorts of, of crazy stuff. So the, was there anybody who was in essence, in agreement with you when you had said, oh, this could have been an espadine, it's over-fermented. But like any, anybody who was like, oh yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah, well, they, they said like, yeah, this definitely over-the-top lactic. I mean, they they had not been producing mezcal. So I think I have a huge advantage because I was inside a distillation place. So I, tr- I, I was able to taste stuff that was under-fermented, mm-hmm. well, like sweet spot and over-fermented. Uh, they were able to perceive all these flavors that I was describing, but uh, but they were like, okay, in terms of process, we have no idea because that's not our realm of production, which was my case when we were talking brandy or we're talking whiskeys or we're talking sure. other stuff. Uh, but what was great is like, they told me like, do you want your notes? Do you write that to them? Do you write to them? Like, don't hide your tepestate, whatever. What we're going to write to that person is this is a beautiful flavor profile. Whatever the hell you did to get here, do it again. Replicate this. We have no, we have no idea how you got here, but this is going to be very enjoyable for a, a lot of people. Okay, so in essence, what you're saying to me is the value. If I, I think what you're saying to me is the value of the spirits competition has less to do with awards and more to do with feedback. In the specific case of this competition. Yeah, I think it is because, uh, and this, I mean, I have not judged in any other competitions, right? So mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be able to talk about other things, but the amount of paragraphs that every judge was writing for each expression mm-hmm. and the amount of detail that they were putting on. And for example, like one of the rules is just don't do notes. Like nobody can just read, write like, oh, this tastes like pears. This tastes like strawberries because they will tell you like, yeah, is that good or is that bad? Like, cool that you can perceive these flavors, but that is not how a judge is useful for a brand. A judge has to say, like, this is, this tastes like this, this things maybe to yourself, but this is fortunate, this is unfortunate because of this. Okay, so... You're having a hard time. I'm having a very hard 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 time. time. here's, Here's why I'm having a hard time, Java, is to me, the spirits competition, the purpose of it, uh, has to be to get an award, has to be to get an award and not to get feedback. Because to me, the only relevant feedback, only relevant feedback is is sales. 
I mean, I think the award is really important. I think the medal is really important. But in this specific competition, at least for what I witnessed, you, you know, I, I know more than one brand in Mexico mm-hmm. that if they were to take their spirit to this competition and get the feedback that these people are giving them, they could do very minuscule changes in their production that could make their spirit a lot better. And you think they would want to? I think they will, like some of the people, like, hey, this is my experience with some of the the medium brands in Mexico. Some of the people that are running them, they're sometimes a little bit overprotective about their vision, about how they think it should taste, about how, how, how this spirit should, should be. But it's hard for them to hear third-party opinions on the flavor profile part of things. And something that it was very clear to me is that these experts in the competition, they are not giving you the feedback of, oh, this will be great for me because we all know we're all not heads. We all know in that competition that we love the crazy, insane thing that nobody will ever buy. Mm-hmm. Like, like that is very understood among everybody there. What right. they're trying to say is, if somebody grabs this, reads a label that says agave spirit, will this product be representative of your category? And will it be a wonderful experience for the person that that, that it's buying this? Well, but my problem with that is, uh, my problem with that is, that even a category as narrow as say bourbon, when compared to a category, when compared to a category as broad as mezcal, right, still has within it this huge range of flavors. Okay, All right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> still has within it this huge range of flavors and. To your repeated point over and over again, you know, every mouth is a mutant. Plus, I'd add to that that some people, like, they find what they like and they don't go beyond that. So so what's my point? My point is if you look at what the best-selling whiskeys in the world are, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, top of the list is going to be Jim Beam, I think. Hang on. Hey, I had this No, in front actually, of me. no. It's Johnny Walker, but okay. Just say it. Oh, no, no, no. It's not. It's Jack Daniels. It's Jack Daniels at number one. It's Jim Beam at number two. Jameson at number three. Crown Royal at number four. Suntory, uh, including Highball, at number five. Uh, Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yeah, you say that. But but what, 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 what is your point? And if you want to get into Mexico's favorite whiskey, it's Buchanan's, right? And my point is... And when I say favorite, I mean best-selling. And my point is this, is unless the judges come back with, this is how you can taste your, you can make your spirit taste more like, uh, did I say Jack Daniels or Jim Bean? Jack Daniels. Unless you can, this is how you make your spirit taste more like Jack Daniels. That's so that you can make it the best-selling spirit. That, to me, is the only useful feedback. Well, and and I think that, that you are coming at it from a, what I will call like a 90s perspective. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that <laughs> and, means. But. And I, I think, and this was also something that they were talking about during the competition, that this competition has changed drastically in the last 10 years. Yeah. They said in the last 10 years before, well, 
before 15 years, you'll have these large guys, right? You're Jack Daniels, you're Jim Beam, and yeah. those you and they're still the most selling things. Yeah, the, like the, the the better sold things. But now yeah. you have all this movement of craft cocktails, craft distilleries, smaller players that are catering to palates and to interests that are, I don't know if to, to use the word bored is correct, but that are interested in flavor profiles beyond the the things that you can find in Walmart. And I, I, it's catering to a more niche market. Correct. And geeks and, like us. Well, not necessarily gigs like us. I think there's many there's many levels to that. And I think that people, like a lot of people that maybe in the 90s were drinking your Jack Daniels and that's the only thing they knew, that same profile of person just a few de- uh, a decade later or two decades later, they are drinking stuff that it's way more complex, way more interesting just because their yeah. liquor store carries others, other things. I- I would say 5% of them are. Well, and you, 95% you, you of them are. You used to make this point st- about craft beer, how craft mm-hmm. beer ate the market of the large guys. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that shift with spirits. I get that. But if you look at the crafts, the craft beers that are selling in those numbers, I would argue that those craft beers have moved more towards the flavor profiles, the very mild flavor profiles of the. Um, uh, commodity beers. Well, well actually, like, like, let me rephrase this. And because I, I know, I mean, I, I think it is a lot about finding a playground that can accommodate a lot of people still having a really high quality product. And when I say that, that what you're saying is a little bit of the 90s, I think a lot of us uh, were very, we were more brand oriented in the 90s. We, we were not as picky in, in doing research or understanding the origin of how something was made or why it was valuable. We will just read the brand and we'll go for it. I think that uh, was... I think that's fair to say. Sure. Right? So sure. I, I think, think there was that, less information in most consumers, but I... Okay, go ahead. So I, I think that a panel or a competition like this can be extremely useful in also a, a far more competitive market. Like the amount of quality of stuff that we tried there... It was absolutely insanity. Like there was so much fortunate things. We had like a tiny selection of three Asian spirits. We had a Baijiu, a Soju, a Sochu, and something Vietnamese that I've never tried before. The four of them were freaking delightful. They were the best things that I've tried that I didn't even try something as good in it when I was in Asia. So what I'm trying to say is I think this group of people can become tremendously a tremendously useful tool for somebody and honestly like if i were to bring a a a thing to market i will definitely spend my 400 dollars sending to them because i think if if they if this group of people find it fortunate at least at least you know you have something that it's balanced and it has a certain amount of quality if it's gonna sell well that it's a whole a whole different conversation but honestly, for the level of expertise that I witnessed there, really, at least you're gonna know that what you're you're putting into the world has this, has the possibility of giving a certain amount of pleasure to to people. I well, a certain amount of pleasure from a a select group of people. I think this, like in essence, what you're what you're arguing is um, the the line between art and commerce. 
And in essence, what you're saying is somebody who's going into spirits in order to produce art, here are a bunch of art critics who can tell you whether or not you are succeeding. And, you know, while while I would say that there is a hell of a lot of art in the spirits context, much of which we see in rural Mexico, much of which I see all over the world, um, I would also argue that the artist doesn't really care about the art critic. Yeah, but, you know, if you're talking about Victor Ramos, yeah, cool, absolutely. If you're talking about Lalo, absolutely. But if you're talking of about many of the medium guys that we're seeing happening in the north of Mexico, in the center of Mexico, in Puebla, in Guerrero, a lot of these medium brands... That's that's what I'm I'm arguing about. I I'd argue against that. I think that they, nah. honestly, the like the people you're talking about that I'm picturing in my mind, are well, the that, exact that the same problem. way. They're, you're, they're you're, producing picture, what they want to produce. To be absolutely on. Well, nah, nah. Like, but I I think too that it's something that you have to really leave. Like, if if somebody had told me this story to me, mm-hmm. I know I will have pushed back. I will have said, nah, this is yes, like what you're saying is the art critic, like. Well, but but it, look, but it was delightful. Like, I'm not the- saying it wasn't delightful, but what I am saying is, like, I'm circling back around to the same conclusion I had the first time. I think award ceremonies are great. I think uh, uh, awarding spirits uh, a medal uh, helps to to move the general consumer towards that spirit. I think it gets confusing if the the award is for something that tastes outrageous. Because if I'm the newbie to Mezcal and you give me something like a Victor Ramos uh, Tobala, that's going to blow my head off. Yeah. So I don't, like, I, I hear what you're saying. I think if I give I, you Jose Cuervo as your first uh, thing to sip, that might blow your mind in uh well, I think it's easy to sip Jose Cuervo. When was the last time you sipped Jose Cuervo? Well, I don't know that I've ever sipped. No, Jose no, Cuervo. no. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not it's not an easy no. drink to sip. No, 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 no. Anyway, but uh, but yeah. Sorry, I interrupted your conclusion. No. So my conclusion is simply that I think awards are great, and I think spirits competitions are great if they are viewed from the standpoint of the lowest common denominator consumer. Nah. Well, uh, I I I don't agree. <laughs> I think my I think my conclusion is that this can be a tremendously useful tool for a lot of medium smaller brands that are happening in the mezcal world and are trying to cater to an American audience and are trying to make something that is representative of the category, but at the same time that can be pleasant enough for a group of people that are not over-the-top geeks, nor over-the-top interested in the outrageous flavor profiles. Cool. So uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that you guys, that they announced the winners yet? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it's going to take I'm, a little I'm bit. Sure, I'm sure by the time we actually get this thing out, they will have. So we'll include the list um, of, of the win- winners. Man, there was so much good stuff in Agave Spirits. There was so much good stuff. Did you have a favorite? Yes, of course. Are you afraid to say it? Well, no, I'll say the category. I cannot say the brand because it's not been published. Uh, but there was a, there were some Bacanoras, Lou, that yeah. were insane. There was a Palmilla that yeah. was absolute insanity. It was delicious. 
Okay, right on. Well, so yeah, so we'll we'll publish the uh, when we publish this episode, assuming that the list is available, that'll be included on our webpage uh, for folks who want to check it out, and uh, yeah, and link you to that and other spirits competitions that we think are relevant. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Thanks, thanks for giving okay, me my, sure, my little token of confidence. <laughs> I'll catch you next episode. Hasta pronto. Adios, joven Lu. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.